Such sights to show you. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Fuck you too! <laughs> <laughs> <Another magnets. laughs> Nothing about magnets. Oh, people. This is lots of pasta. Where am I? At the start of this show, several years ago, I was young and healthy. And yeah, really, was... really over the course of this entire series... Uh, my body has given up on me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's all the weed I smoke and scary stories I read. Yeah. I would say the first time I ever recorded a, an episode of this, which I think was 20 <coughs> or, or 22 or something like Part that. Part of me was like, oh was God, was that, the one we were on, was that the one we were on shrooms? I was like, no, oh God, that was that the was, second episode we did. That was the second did. episode we recorded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the first, it was the second <laughs> See, we, at least we waited a little. Yeah, we were like, oh, we'll, we'll give them some normality. We tried doing it again, but never really talked about it. Like, we we did we did do a little bit of shrooms, like, a different night, and, like, nothing happened. Yeah. Do you remember trying mine? Because the ones that you brought over, the ones, mm -hmm. they were good. When do, I don't remember trying yours. I'm sure I do, but I don't. You know what I mean? There was one night where we, it was it was already late, but both of us were like... I don't have to wake up early. It was some type of holiday, maybe. Okay. And I was just like, I know I have off tomorrow, but like, this this would probably wear out <coughs> in time. And I honestly think you and I took like a very small handful, mm -hmm. watched like one thing, and like fell asleep. Yeah. Sometimes that happens with the body too. <coughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, what I'm getting at is... Uh, the uh, the life, the sacrifice of lots of pasta, <laughs> yeah, is our biological health. <laughs> Just kidding. It's because our lifestyles are awful. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I have career decisions to choose for poor health. I have insomnia. More than anything else. Yeah. I think I have my insomnia to blame for literally everything that's that's wrong with me. I just don't sleep. I just haven't since since I was fucking sixth grade. I just don't sleep. Mm -hmm. I used to just stay up and listen to music all the time. Now I just fucking medicate. <laughs> it's yeah. the only thing that knocks me out. But even then, I wake up every two hours, man. It fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Everyone keeps telling me to do a sleep study, and I'm like, don't you need time to do that? No, you just need one night. Yeah, but don't you need, like, time <laughs> to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You also, like, have to get a certain number of hours in a sleep study. Right. And you also have to be out at a certain hour. So, like, I've gone to a sleep study where, like, all of a sudden I was like, I, I can't sleep. And they were like, well, we're going to scrap this one. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was, like, 1030 or something. And I was like, yep. That's cool. what I mean, though. Like, don't you need time? Don't you need to think about it? Like, even even you just describing that makes me fucking yeah. anxious. Like, you have to sleep from I 10 to 6. I would never sleep if I knew people were fucking standing around looking at me. Mm -hmm. Well, they I don't just, stand I around just, and look at you. I know, but, like, but that's how you make it sound. They come in and check on you. Like, the nurse will come to the oh door and God, check if, on you. Oh, my God, if any... Okay, okay. If they're, like, at the door and they're, like, peeking in, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I guess that's okay. 
but if anyone like even moves around me, I'm like awake. Yeah. 95% of the time. See, I'm the opposite where like if I'm out, I probably don't know much of anything going on around me. I've had me. to wake you up before, yeah. 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 Like it's not that I'm difficult to wake up, no. it's just that I'll it's sleep that through I, things. It's just that I'll I'll say your name a bunch and you won't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to well, wake I'll do that. I've had to poke you. I've had to poke you. You know. I ever tell you that I roll my ankles in my sleep? No, I didn't know. Have you ever seen me do it? Nope. Gotten it on a video like three times. She's like she's like when your feet hang off the bed there are just sometimes in the morning where I see you going like that. (laughs) Yeah. And you are wearing out your fucking ankles, man. Like you are just fucking rotating them repeatedly. And I'm like, oh maybe that's why I wake up. And they're fucking they're swollen pain. already. Yeah. And I and I don't fucking know that. And I've had to start going to sleep with these fucking braces on. Yeah. Because on say. certain nights, I just fucking feel it. On certain nights, I wake up and I take one step and I'm like, why did that hurt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even more sleep is like bad for me. God forbid I get more than two full hours, but even the two hours I get, I'm doing a fucking short sprint mm-hmm. in my bodysuit. <laughs> fucking sucks, dude. You're, uh, my body is tired when I wake up. In a different multiverse, and you're I'm still fat. <laughs> the funny thing is, you'd think if I was yeah, like active, if you're exercising maybe, while you're sleeping, maybe that, ex- maybe that explains why my legs stay skinny. Yeah, but my midsection <laughs> is, a, is a barrel, on. is a barrel of a person. Yeah, I have skinny little arms and skinny little legs. I'm like a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. I'm like Finn from Adventure Time. I'm a square on like two fucking noodles. Yeah. <laughs> My my ankles are noodles. <laughs> and this is Lots of Pasta, the podcast where we uh, find spooky shit from online and uh, read it for you while under the influence of alcohol and drugs. <laughs> moms, Allegedly. Our, moms, our moms would be very proud. Allegedly. No, I want it. I want it for when I die for people to share this podcast. Yeah, because I'm, I'm probably gonna outlive my mom. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But if I don't, I want people to shout <laughs> from the rooftops that this podcast exists, so she can listen to me and be disappointed <laughs> that I didn't live longer. Uh, because this show explains exactly why I didn't. I would be really grateful if my mom never found this dead or alive. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't need that. That's too much stress on her. That's fucking... That would kill me. That would ki- Now I know if I outlive you, I'm immediately showing this to your mom. It would be so fucking funny for me to see her reaction to even this segment right here, to even us having yeah. this conversation. Um, no, I would absolutely go to Odd Kids and be like, we were on drugs. <laughs> we were on drugs together. <laughs> and she'd be like, you're the reason he's dead. And I'd be like, maybe. Maybe. You don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know? Life is funny that way. I think a, a big reason we're even talking about death and, and life and bodies and shit is because this series... Is pretty much, much death based. Is pretty much death everywhere yeah. in every chapter. Um, and it's not very explained, but I mean, our, our best assumption is was demons, mm-hmm. which is a new favorite term of mine that we literally coined. 
on part one. Um, but was demons has been what? so much of this show. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. I've been re-listening. It pops up all over the place. I've been re-listening to the show right now. I'm. I'm. I'm in my. I'm in the fifties, approaching Whistlers. I think, and um, the show's really good at this point. I really enjoyed these episodes. From fifty to one fifty, we hit like a lot of gold shit. Like that's where Odd Kids lands. That's mm. where Pen Pal. That's where Left Right Game. That's where Baraska. They Whistlers. They all land in that span so i consider 50 to like uh but even <coughs> even uh mayhem mountain was 40 something and that that's a good fucking range too yeah um yeah we we are reading a series right now this is going to be part two of a series it's called uh lily mad whip or lillian mad whip lily mad whip um and it's always like her experiencing death somewhere Mm -hmm. And whether it's, I don't know. Let's just go in order. Part part one is her her brother. Her brother, yeah. Her brother dies, and and she tells the author that she's been talking to an angel mm -hmm. that takes the form of her that that embodies her action figure, and you're really not sure at this point if she's just really crazy. Yeah, like... because she kind of incited it. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about how there's like a Fight Club aspect to it where she's, like, inciting it, and you're not sure if, like, this is her, or if she's schizo, or if this is actually happening. Yeah. And, um, part two... Was the therapist. Was the therapist, and, and she, she's sitting there, and she's, like, not really sad about her brother, because she had to kind of go through it twice. Yeah. You know, like, she, she saw it happen, got upset, had been upset about it all day, and then it happened... And she was upset about it, but, you know, she had had her time to be like, eh, I knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. He didn't listen. Yeah. You know, he only made it worse. So when the therapist is like, how do you feel? She she saw a vision of the therapist dying, dying. in her living room. And it turned out in part three that it was because she was allergic to shellfish. Yeah. And she had some type of batfish. So, um, so essentially the therapist ends up dying. And she tells us as much in, in the second one. Um... Third one was my pet's my pet is dead. Yeah, I, my pet. Regardless of the parts, like I don't know what number we're on, but this is what these are the big strokes the we're remembering. Pet was dead, and then the flock of animals was dead. Right. So they go to bury her her dead gerbil, and when they go to the backyard, they see a trail of dead animals yeah. leading further into the woods. Now do you can see that increments get much higher. No, that's that's one story. That's one. Okay. That's one story, and um and it turns out to be real. Because a neighbor sees it, and then their parents yeah. see it. And then the parents hire, like, a hazmat group mm -hmm. to come to and pick up the corpses. Yeah. And and I think there might be something going on there. I don't know how easy it is to get, like, a biological research group in your backyard. Um, um, I mean, you would you would can contact uh, Animal Control, and sure. they would probably, at that they point... They would then contact yeah. municipality and try to get someone out there for something. Yeah. Um, let me see what one this is. So this is six, and that was... In my head, that was that was three. Yeah. Um, so what was what was four and five? All I four remember was, is... was the fight in school. Oh, the right. Fell and knocked her teeth Fire out. Firestarter. Yeah, fire there's starter. another. There's another little girl with another angel following her, mm -hmm. and but her the other girl's angel doesn't talk to the other girl. 
No, it doesn't. It only talks to Lily. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, further belief that she's making up these angel characters as a part of her psyche. Yeah. Uh, but you assume was demons. You lean on I, the side I am. of... Yes. You lean on the side of was demons because of probably chapter five. Um, but... Well, I was leaning there from chapter one just because of the undertone. But even like, I... Even I kind of drifted into was demons territory after chapter five is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's like, fair. I was on the fence sure. for a lot of this, but chapter five in the mall, um, yeah. not to discount the little girl because what she's what the interesting thing about four is that she doesn't see a vision, tells a girl something is going to happen and then it happens. She kind of wills it into existence without having predicted it. Or potentially Firestarter willed it into existence. Maybe. Which is also like a... Maybe. Maybe flip. they're linked. Maybe when oh, they're yeah. together, something happens. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not going to rule it out. Um, there's definitely something interesting going on with Firestarter because mm -hmm. um, the angel who was watching Firestarter basically said the fire comes from the girl. It's not... It's not... Uh, because she likes lighting things on fire. The yeah. fire literally comes from inside her. And um, her parents died. And she in was in a foster yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Half of her face is burned. And her doll is melted. It's a melted Barbie. Mm -hmm. um, and then chapter five. We're in. The, well, Mom takes us to the shopping mall. Because dad's yeah. going to stay at home. And hide my action figure. Yeah. I was going to say. And, and Pascal stays at home. That's like on purpose. The, yeah. the parents, the parents made a ploy out of it. The dad buried it in the backyard somewhere. Mm -hmm. He was out there gardening all day. She leaves yeah. this thing on the on the front on the on the table. She comes home. He's not there. He fucking buried it where the yeah. pet where the pets were. Um. But the cool thing about the mall. Is the was demons events that yeah. kept happening? Is there like were the, moments it's of, still following me? No there were what. moments of deafness, there were moments of muteness. Um, liter and what I mean by that is there were moments where people couldn't literally talk and they literally couldn't hear, and then big death moment. Mm -hmm. Lily walks into a pet store and all the pets die. Yeah. And everyone looks at her, but nothing ever comes of it. She just runs out of the store really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and and Lily didn't, like, do it. She didn't do anything. She was just there. Yeah, she just... The interesting thing was... Has an aura. The interesting thing was, she was standing there, and all the animals went limp all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she just notices it. She's like, wait, why did the snake I was just looking at become duller? Oh, wait, I just turned around. Why are all the turtles lying down why are all the puppies slumping over like she just started to note like all these things happening around her and then when she left the store she saw a black smoke fucking lost coming out of a chick's pants and mm. it was and it was tentacling along the ground trying to find her and this woman could see something about lily she noticed something about lily but when she got too close, a voice like Pascal came out of the black fog and warned itself as another presence, another angel, perhaps. I, I didn't do any personal research. I don't know what Duma actually means. I know a Stephen King book called The Duma Key, and it's about um, other entities and shit. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Not going to get into it. 
Um, but a new voice comes out. This is the third fucking angel voice uh, Lily has claimed to hear. And it says, stay the fuck away from me. Run, get away. We cannot be near one another. And I think it's that interaction mm -hmm. that maybe killed the people in the food court and maybe killed the people in, or in the pets in the pet store. Because all those hospitals, all those yeah, ambulances yeah. showed up and they were all talking about all these weird accidents that happened yeah. at the mall that day. So, like, maybe when Lily is around other types Which, of people like her. Yeah. Which things is why get, the girl fell on things the, get on wacky. the fire starter. Yeah. Things get wacky, you know? Um, but we are now leaning heavily into was demons territory mm -hmm. because of said Duma, said Black Fog, said weird corporal reality shit happening. Mm -hmm. Um, anything to add? No. Just that we're into it. Yeah. So immediately rolling into part six, I'm going to let Where Am I take it. My name is Lily Madwhip and my parents are the devil. Was demons? My name is Lily Madwhip and my parents are the devil. Both of them. Like Satan split in two, became two people. And then they came up to Earth and said, let's have a baby. And then they had me. And then they said, now let's torture it. Ah! I guess they had Roger first. They never tortured him though. They bought him a drum set so he could torture the rest of us with it. Maybe he all maybe he was also Satan. Maybe Satan split into three people. I didn't see Roger born, so this could very well be the case. Hey Lily, where's Pascal? That's not Satan, that's Jamal. He's riding the bus with me, like he always does. He and the two other boys ride to my school and then hang out until the rest of us go in, and then they walk down to their Catholic school. Jamal is my neighbor, and probably the closest thing I have to a friend. He'd also probably be dead for now if, if it weren't for me. Uh, then again, things seem to die when I'm around, so maybe he wouldn't have almost died if he wasn't for me. I'm just going to blame my plastic paratrooper for that one. Oh man, my plastic paratrooper's still up there in the tree. He must be cold. It's Pascar. Pascar. Not Pascal, and I don't know where he is. We're gonna keep calling him Pascal. Yeah, and I don't know where he is. My devil dad took him. I tell Jamal. Uh oh, did he do something? That's the big question. Did I do something? I got my brother Roger killed three months ago. Then I, I let my up to it. Yeah. Then I let my therapist die to a food allergy. That one wasn't really her fault. <laughs> you know, Jamal. You still have nightmares about the dead animals we found in the forest, thanks to me. I made Lisa Welch break her teeth on the playground, but you don't know Lisa Welch. You're so unlucky you don't know Lisa Welch. No, you're so lucky. You're so you lucky you don't know Lisa Welch and her crew of jerk girls. Can I go start going to Catholic school, I wonder? I, I believe in angels and God and definitely the devil now. Stupid devil parents. No. That was a... That was a long answer for a She thought about it for set. a long time. <laughs> yeah. No. Then there was the entire pet store at the mall. That was like a plague of biblical proportions. Yeah. Proportions mean size. Like you get food in portions and those are small. And then you get thing you get pro portions and those are big. In other words, 
It was a big bad thing. Dead puppies and kitties everywhere. I think I did that somehow because I got cl too close to the angel of death. Oh. Something about me and her, the lady in black. If we get too close, things die. People die. I wonder if she was in the woods behind my house the day all those animals died. She scares me. Jamal's friend, Greg, leans over the bus seat and grins at me. <laughs> Greg has bright orange hair. I don't think it's natural. Like, who has hair that's orange? Jamal says it's ginger, but I've seen gingerbread men. They're brown like my hair, and other people say Greg's hair is red. I don't know why you don't just call orange hair orange. Maybe your angel doll flew back to heaven. Greg says. You'll never know. I mutter. <laughs> oh, if either of us... Uh, yeah, this is, this is him. If either of us isn't getting into heaven, it's the girl who kills everybody. Greg takes heaven and hell very seriously. Jamal shoves Greg away. So you can't see the future without Pascal, right? Pascal... And yes, I can. Greg pops up again. Then what's going to happen to me, Lily? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen to Greg. Stupid Greg and his stupid orange, not ha orange hair. I don't have anything against people with orange hair, but Greg is the only one I know, and he's stupid. You're going to die sad and alone. Greg doesn't like that answer. <laughs> I don't even know if it's true. It's a good one. I can't see that far in the future. Pascal would know. He knows things like that. Pascal knows everything. And he always comes back to me. He always... He's always come back before, at least. I spent all yesterday looking for him. I called him, but he didn't respond. I can usually hear him, regardless of where he, he's in, like, a box or a drawer or um, under my woman, Wonder Woman blankets. Uh, I hear Pascal in my head, not my ears, when I couldn't find him. I begged my mom to let me have him back. I promised that I'd, I'd talk to her and dad. I promised that I wouldn't keep any secrets. She hugged me and kissed me on the head and said, Lily Bean, listen. Nothing ever com good comes after being told to listen. If parents have good things to say, they know you're listening. If they've got bad things to say, they want to be sure you're listening. I managed to get you scheduled for an emergency MRI at the hospital on Tuesday. What's an MRI? M Mr. I? It's a scan that lets the doctors see your insides. Why? I thought maybe my insides were turning into jelly from being exposed to the angel of death. Maybe I'm dying and I don't know it. I wonder if it's jelly... If jelly is just people's insides, unless they specify grape jelly, then it's the inside of a grape. My mom petted me. She thinks that's comforting, but I haven't been comforted from the head pets since second grade. And then it was only because I was pretending to be the family pet. We just want to make sure everything is okay. But what does that have to do with Pascal? I asked. If you behave and nothing happens, we'll see about returning Pascal after the MRI, okay? It was not okay. And now I'm sitting on the bus with stupid Greg the Bozo Clown and going to have to deal with Meredith wanting to sit near me at school without Pascal to talk to. Sure enough, 
I get to school and see Meredith standing over by the swings watching for me, so I go sit by the baseball diamond to watch Jamal play kickball. Nobody's getting hit in the crotch today, but I hope that Meredith doesn't spot me. Greg runs by and throws his backpack with the others. He sticks his middle finger up at me and his tongue out. He is not going to heaven. Where's Pascal? Oh, shit. It's Meredith. Oh, crud. I said the S word. No, no, it's okay. It was in my head. He's at home. I tell her, inching over a bit on the bench as she sits down. Meredith sets things on fire, or at least according to her melted Barbie angel, Nathaniel. She's got him sticking out of her backpack, looking at me with his... her... It's melted lump hand waving at me. Did you hear about what happened at the mall on Saturday? I sigh quietly. Meredith continues. I heard there was a terrorist attack. Like a bunch of people died. She's staring off at the kids trying to play kickball. But if she looked at me, she'd see I don't want to talk about this. Hey, Meredith? Yeah? What are your parents like? I already know part of that answer, though. Her parents are dead. Nathaniel told me she burned them right to ashes. I'm not, I'm not trying to make her angry, but I'm also not really too worried about it right now. I just miss Pascal. I want to change the subject. Meredith goes from sitting there watching the game to slouching and looking at her feet. I can tell my question upset her, and I feel bad. But I also feel like I need to know more if I'm going to be safe around her. She wants to be my friend, and that's more than most people want. Except Jamal. They died in a fire. Nathaniel remains quiet. I hope that if I upset Meredith in the wrong way, he'll warn me before she sets me on fire like her parents. I'm sorry. I put a hand on her shoulder. My mom always does that when she sits by me and I'm sad. Maybe I should pet her. But then, I don't like that. And other people see us might also think it's weird. Do they know what caused the fire? I... I don't. Oh no. She's crying. I'm supposed to hug her, right? Tears on the playground are a sign of weakness. We can't let Linda Welch's crew of Lisa, jerks... Lisa, sorry. Lisa Welch's crew of jerks see Meredith crying. I hug Meredith. Nathaniel seems to approve. Thanks, Nathaniel. <laughs> okay. That conversation taught me nothing. Darn it. I burn things with my hands. Scratch what I just said. You burn things. I repeat. Meredith nods and wipes her eyes. The side of her face that she hides under her hair is still all red and waxy looking, but she can't help that. She's blubbering a bit, which is like crying, but not like whale fat, because whale fat's not an action word. <laughs> what? My hands get real hot, and whatever I touch gets burned. It, it never burns me, the fire I make it, it it doesn't burn me usually I have to touch things with my hands to burn them but but one time fire started and I I knew it was me because I, I was angry and my hands were hot but then it just happened and I wasn't even touching anything and then there was the fire the the one that did this she pointed to her face and held up her melted Barbie I was asleep when it started, but it must have been me. I'm, I'm the one that causes fires. I thought you said that your fires don't burn you. I don't... I don't know. This, this one did. I have a gift, too. 
Please don't wig out on me, I think. Meredith looks at me. Her eyes on the burned side of her face looks kind of milky. I wonder if she can see out of it. My Nana had, had this thing called glycoma before she died. It made her eyes all milky and she had trouble seeing. She used to bump into things a lot, but that wasn't what killed her. Uh, she just got old and her insides stopped working right. I wonder if my insides are working right. I wonder if I'm gonna get glycoma. I can see things before they happen. I whisper. I don't know why I'm whispering. I guess I'm treating it like a secret, but everyone on the stupid playground knows this. Or at least they know I think I, I think this. I think most of them think I'm crazy. What kind of things? Meredith asks. Everything. I tell her. Sometimes it's a feeling and sometimes I see an actual vision thing and sometimes I smell things before there's smells. I mean, there's always smells, but, like, I smell popcorn before people cook popcorn. One time I really wanted popcorn because I'd been smelling it for, like, an hour. So I asked my parents to make popcorn, and then I had popcorn. That's not the best example. I knew my brother Roger was going to die before he died. I even tried to save him, but he died anyway. Meredith looks at me, and her face is like... Like someone seeing a dolphin for the first time. Wonder. That's the word. I don't know if maybe it's the face of her realizing I'm crazy or she's found someone like her with a true gift of or curse if you want to look at it that way maybe she's really wanting popcorn now gosh I kind of want popcorn now so you really knew that that girl was going to fall on her face last week I frown well no that was I was making that one up but then it did happen, after all. I don't know how to explain that one. That never happened before. Just like me. Meredith nods. I used to burn things just with my hands, and then three months ago I was at a carnival with my mom and dad, and the whole stage caught fire, but I, I wasn't even touching it. It's never happened before. She gets kind of quiet. Some kid got killed. Kind of like your brother, I... I didn't mean for it to happen, it just happened. I don't know if that's really the same thing. The bell rings. So Meredith and I grab our stuff and head to get in line. I watch Jamal and stupid Greg run off to head to their school. Suddenly I feel a strong shove that almost knocks me over. I look around, but no one is near me. Meredith is ahead in line. And I start to realize that that was not an actual happening, but a forewarning. Before I can think about it, an older kid pushes Meredith as he walks by. Out of my way, freak face, he says at her. She stumbles the same as I did, but stiffens. And I see her clench her fists and shake for a moment. Then the insides of her hands start to look glowy, hot like an oven burner. I think the bad word again. Shit! From behind us, there was a sound like a wave of water, and everyone turns to look as one of the trees along the edge of the park bursts into flame. It goes up like the flames are coming out of the ground, and then the whole thing is covered in fire. Nothing else burns, just the tree. Whoa! Everyone marvels, except one kid who yells. Holy shit! <laughs> yes, I wrote it down, but I didn't say it, so it doesn't count. Fuck my ass! I can hear Nathaniel. Lily, hurry! Come calm her down. Lily, get up here! Hurry! 
So I shove past the kids in line, who are all looking at the burning trees, as adults start to panic and grab children and drag them inside. I put my hands on Meredith's shoulder, and I say, Meredith. Meredith, it's okay. Meredith, I'm here. She unclenches her fist, and I can see her shoulders relax. Nathaniel thanks me. Thank you, Lily. I wish Pascal was here. The tree keeps on, keeps right on burning, of course. We're all rushed inside while everyone is shouting about what the hell just happened. I follow the line with Meredith, go to my cubby, run through the routine of putting my stuff away, but I miss the step of getting Pascal and feel sad again. We can hear the fire truck arriving outside as we all sit down. Meredith hides her face. I lean over and whisper to her. Also, there's an angel in your Barbie. She turns and stares at me with like a half angry, half baffled kind of look on her on her half a face. I don't really think that about her having half a face, but with her hiding the burned half, I can't really see it. What? She asks. Nathaniel sits on her desk with his burnt hair, scorched face, and lumpy hand, and says nothing. I point at him. He says his name is Nathaniel. Meredith looks at her Barbie. That's a boy's name. It's your angel's name. Maybe this is too much information right now. I'm hitting her with a lot of new things. I can see things before they happen. And her Barbie has an angel with a boy's name inside of it? I mean, for me, I'd probably just think, of course. But I've seen some things and heard them. Meredith can't seem to hear the angels. Look, I can prove it. I turn to Nathaniel. I ask him to tell me something about her that I shouldn't know. Meredith watches me stare at her Barbie. What are you doing? I'm talking to Nathaniel in my head. This isn't funny, Lily. She reaches for Nathaniel. Yeah, you got him as a six-year birthday present from your friend Jessica Pritchard. I declare. Meredith stops. She looks at me with her, her shocked face again. I'm starting to get used to her making the shocked face at me. I kind of forget what her happy smiley face looks like. Lily Madwhip! Miss C.D. calls my name for attendance, and I raise my hand. Here. Meredith picks up Nathaniel. How did you know? Nathaniel told me. Why can you hear him, but I can't? I shrug. I don't know. I guess it's part of what I can do. I can see things before they happen, and I can hear the angels. Lois Brody, the boy who sits in front of us, turns around. Oh my god, will you two shut up? You're both crazy. <laughs> oh, that's my new favorite character. <laughs> Meredith scowls, but I nudge her shoulder. And when she looks at me, I quickly shake my head at her. Please don't kill us all. We haven't had a fire drill in months. We wait until lunch to talk more. Meredith and I sit alone at our table, because nobody wants to sit with the new girl with burned face or mad Lily who's the witch who cursed Lisa Welsh and caused her to break her front teeth and ruined her perfect smile that her daddy spent so much time last week. Time and money on. That her daddy spent so much time and money on. Stupid Lisa Welch. I hadn't seen her since last week, and I'm glad. Her crew of jerk girls are lost without her, and they keep to themselves. 
I was at the mall when the people died. I tell Meredith as I eat my crackers. They're shaped like little fish, but not the fancy brand kind, because my dad never buys anything name brand. They taste like someone salted a dry onion. Meredith looks at me but says nothing. She can't talk because she's got a peanut butter sandwich in her mouth, and the white bread is sticking to the roof of her mouth with the peanut butter on it. It looks kind of funny to watch her try and peel it off with her tongue. It wasn't terrorists. It was a lady dressed in black. There was black smoke around her feet and everything got real quiet like your head was underwater. I couldn't hear anything except the angel. She had an angel with her like we do, usually. Oh, Pascal. Mm? Meredith says, that means yeah in peanut butter mouth. I didn't see it on her, but it spoke to me. Just told me to run, that we couldn't be close because it was bad. And then the pet store got wiped out. Just everything died. I clearly have her undivided attention because she stopped chewing and just stares at me with bug eyes. I'm kind of glad she stopped chewing because she smacks her mouth a lot when, and I was ready to stick the carrot sticks my dad packed in, into my ears. They don't fit though because he cuts them into triangles. I actually tried that once and the pointy edge of the carrot hurts, but that's a long story. That was Dunham. Nathaniel says. Duma. Duma. That was Duma, Nathaniel says. Yeah, that's right. That was the name. And then I realized Meredith didn't hear what he said. Duma. The angel said it, its name was Duma. Duma is silence, Nathaniel tells me. Duma is retribution for the wicked. I have no idea what that means. I tell Nathaniel. Meredith just sits there, looking perplexed. It must be confusing not hearing half a conversation. I feel like I should repeat what Nathaniel says, but then to me it'd sound like an echo, and to others it looks like I'm talking to myself. The lunchtime monitor, Miss Grayson, already gave me a funny look just moments ago. Duma collects the souls of bad people. Fine. I can't take Meredith not knowing what's going on. Besides, she might get angry that I'm having a secret conversation with her melted Barbie and burn the whole school down. The angel with the black fog lady is called Duma, and he punishes bad people by killing them, apparently. Close enough, says Nathaniel. He's not like Pascal in so many ways. Like, in the fact that he's a naked Barbie. But does that mean all the animals in the pet store were... Oh, it's I. But does that mean all the animals in the pet store were bad? I ask. Meredith shrugs and finishes chewing her sandwich. Maybe they peed on their owners. I don't think peeing on someone when you're a pet makes you a bad person. Maybe if you were a person, that'd be different. Nathaniel interrupts. When you two come within close proximity... What? ...of each other, it amplifies... Stop! Jesus Christ! What? Why does your angel have to talk like he's a scientist in a sci-fi movie? Meredith pats Nathaniel because he's smarter than your angel. I doubt that. Pascal knows everything. Yours doesn't know some stuff. Like what? Like how to use words. I know what they mean. I don't want to get... <laughs> like how to use words. I know what they mean. I don't want to get into this. I shove six scarret sticks in my mouth to end the conversation. The bell rings for recess and we go outside. I like how... Nathaniel wanted to give us fucking plot explanation yeah. for what Duma is. Most of the other kids 
run over to the black charred tree that Meredith burns. There are a couple teachers standing guard, and the whole spot is taped off. There's water and some sort of foam, probably from a fire extinguisher. All the other trees, um, probably from a fire extinguisher, all over the tree's branches and trunk. This is because you and Meredith are too close to each other, Nathaniel says. Meredith looks at the crowd around the tree. Someone gets past the tape and calls out that it's still hot and the teacher grabs him and drags him away. What do you mean? I ask Nathaniel. Just like you said happened at the mall, each of you has an ability. When one of you comes too close to the other, each increases the ability of the other, often uncontrollably. So, like, Meredith can burn stuff without touching it? I say out loud. And I don't just see things happen, I make them happen? What? Meredith asks. Exactly. And Duma causes silence and death. Why didn't Pascal tell me about this? Nathaniel says nothing. Meredith realizes I'm talking to her Barbie without her. She hugs it and backs away. Tell you about what? We gotta be careful if we're going to be friends. I say. I make you able to set fire without touching things, and you make me able to affect what happens. At least that's what he says. I point at her doll. What about the Doomer Death Angel Lady? Nathaniel corrects her. Duma. I don't know. She must have been at the mall looking for a bad person. I think she was confused about what was going on and saw me and I saw that I could and she saw that I could see it too, but didn't understand what was happening. Kind of like you burning things and me making Lisa break her teeth. We didn't understand. This is all way too much for me to deal with in a day. I'm still upset and confused about where my parents hit Pascal. And Tuesday, I got to go to the hospital and get scanned for my insides. But now that I know some of what's going on, maybe I can figure out how to explain it to my mother. Let's go play on the swings. I suggest. That big tree branch is going to crack and fall off and hit a couple kids in any minute. Oh my god. Meredith looks back at her burned tree. Are they going to die? I start walking to the swing set. No, but one of them is going to go to the nurse crying. We sit on the swings and watch as the kids around the tree start to wander off. Some still remain, just enough that when the tree branch breaks and everybody hears it happening, not everybody can get out of the way in time. It falls on the two I saw it happen to, and one of them laughs it off with his friends, while the other, who took the heavier end on his shoulder, is helping, is helped away crying by one of the playground monitors. Do you think you made that happen? Meredith asks me. Not this time. I feel a little better when I get home. Mom and Dad still won't believe me about angels and knowing what happens before it happens, but at least I know I won't kill them both by saying it will happen, and at at least not if Meredith isn't there. Dad sits out on the front porch, waves to me as he sees me coming down the street. I got you something. He hands me a harmonica. I don't know how to play a harmonica. I tell him. He smiles. He hasn't smiled really like this since Roger died. I'll teach you. I kind of want to learn to play the drums like Roger did. He looks away and I can see him get misty. Not like fog, but like he's crying but trying to hide it. I give him a hug and he hugs me back. Dad? Yeah? 
I didn't do it. I know, sweetie. It's a nice harmonica, all shiny and silver, and says blues band on it. It makes a different sound whether you exhale into it or inhale. I think my dad had this one in his workroom. I wonder if I get to keep it. Also, a tree caught fire at school today, and that wasn't me either. Oh, okay, so no call from the principal this time. Not today. Maybe my dad isn't really the devil. Okay. So, Meredith is fire starter. Has mm -hmm. been confirmed. Chekhov's gun. We were going to figure it out at some point. Yeah. She's basically... Yeah, just fire starter. Carry level psycho. Mm -hmm. pyro, pyro psychokinesis. Something, something crazy. But hey, at least we're learning that, like, magnets... Mm-hmm. These two get in a stronger polarity when they're near one another. Are you sure that's how magnets work? Hey, man. Sometimes they don't. Also true. My name is Lily Madwhip, and there's nothing wrong with my brain. <laughs> how many times I've had to convince people of that. <laughs> you could read the first line. My name is Lily Madwhip, and there's nothing wrong with my brain. The old lady at the hospital check-in desk with the crazy curly hair smiles at me. Lily, what a lovely name. Is that with one L or two? What kind of question is that? If my name had one L, it would be Lie. Or, I don't know how to pronounce that. Unless it's I-L-Y, Illy. That just makes me sound like I'm sick all the time. <laughs> Here comes Illy Madwhip, the sickest girl in fifth grade. That illy madwhip makes me puke. I repeat her. I repeat my name for her. She's old. Maybe she just doesn't hear too well. Lil Lee. She nods. She's wearing big glasses. Why are her glasses so big? They're like twice the size of her eyes. <laughs> She's not even keeping the glasses over them. They're halfway down to her nose. That's probably why she has them on a chain, because they keep sliding down her nose and falling off. Can she even see? Maybe her vision is so bad she doesn't notice that she's not seeing through her glasses. What good are they, then? I hope I never need glasses. I'd probably lose them all the time. Yes, dear. I heard you. Do you spell it with one L or two? She says. Why does, why, why does she keep asking me about this? Two, of course. And then I watch her spell my name with three L's. Thankfully, Mom gets off the phone with the officer and takes over. My daughter's name is Lillian Madwhip. She's scheduled for an MRI. I walk away to look at the other people in the waiting room. A blonde lady and her son are sitting by the automatic doors that go outside. The boy has a bandage over his right eye. Pascal would be able to tell me why, but Pascal isn't here. I know what's going to happen to the boy, though. He's going to see a doctor who's going to take the bandage off and shine a light in his face and then make him lie down and put some drops of medicine in his eye while his mom holds him down and he screams. Then they'll put the bandage back on. Across from them is a man with a weasel face filling out some forms on a clipboard. I've never seen a weasel up close, but I know a weasel is also a term used to describe someone with beady eyes and a long face, and this guy has both. So that's a weasel face. Oh, it's looking back at me. I'm just looking uh, at this plant. Wait, 
I don't think that's a real plant. I thought these plants were here to provide oxygen for people, but they're just here for decoration. <laughs> Lily, mom calls. Come here. The receptionist lady has a wristband for me to wear that has my name spelled the long way and my birth date and some other codes that I figure only doctors and nurses know. Mom and I sit and wait. feels like hours. I try not to pay any more attention to the other people coming and going because this is a hospital and when I look at other people I just know all the unpleasant stuff that they're going to have done to their bodies and it's more than I need to know like ever. Ew. My mom takes a magazine about housekeeping. It's not actually an interest of hers, but she likes to pretend it is. She's probably going to look at pictures of other people's homes and then silently judge my dad for the way our home doesn't look like them. And he's there all the time. But he digs up all my dead pets and weeds her garden and writes dirges so he's not just sitting on his butt all day. I wonder if he's sitting on his butt right now while we're at the hospital. I flipped through a magazine about science. Some photographer got really close to monkeys and took photos of them doing monkey stuff. Apparently you could get a job just squatting in the jungle taking pictures of animals. I, I want a job. That like, job. I want a job like that. <laughs> Maybe I'll save up my money and buy a camera and start taking pictures of animals. Or I could be one of those photographers who takes pictures of crime scenes. The monkey in the magazine story looks really happy that his photographer is hanging out with them. I glance up from the monkey article and see the weasel-faced man staring at me from a far corner of the waiting room, and he looks back down at his forms, and scribbles some more stuff before taking the clipboard over to the lady with the enormous glasses. I watch him because he's got suspicious written all over him, but then I see that, in a while, he's going to be talking to some doctor in a big white coat like all the doctors have, and they're going to go into an office and talk about grown-up stuff. So I, I start singing to myself in my head to stop knowing what's going to happen. Weasel Guy turns around and looks at me again, and I imagine him with whiskers and then realize I'm staring and remind myself to blink and go back to my monkeys. I guess it's not his fault he was born with a face like a weasel, anyway. Eventually, a big lady with really short black hair calls us in. She's wearing a green hospital uniform. Miss Maddock, we're ready for Lillian. It's Mad Whip, I tell her. I put my monkey science magazine back and follow Mom and the nurse through the swinging doors. The hospital is like a maze. Halls go down either halls and, you know, there's dead ends and offices and closets. I bet the center of the hospital is where the Minotaur lives. That's a monster from an old story we read about in school. It lived in a giant maze and people would go into the Minotaur's maze and get lost and then it would eat them. A minotaur is like a human, but with a cow for a head. Not a whole cow, just the head. We get to a little room with a bed, and they cover it in paper because of germs. There's a paper dress folded up on the table. Hospitals love paper. You need to change into this gown, sweetie. The nurse tells me. And any jewelry or metal piercings need to come off. That's because an MRI uses magnets. Mom told me about it before we got here. Big, powerful magnets that'll rip any metal right off you. I bet if a minotaur got an MRI, it would pull the metal ring out of his nose. Why do cows get nose rings anyway? Maybe it's only the punk cows. I don't have any jewelry or piercings, so I just... I should be fine. But I brought a bunch of quarters in case things get bad, and I have to pay the swear jar. Hmm. They're a little sweaty for me holding them because I got no pockets. 
so mom holds them for me. After the nurse leaves, I change into a paper dress and wait on the table, swinging my feet because there's nothing else to do. Mom is quiet, probably because she's worried about the results. She thinks they're going to tell her that my head is full of nothing but tumors. But I know that that's not going to happen because my head is not nothing but tumors. When do I get Pascal? I ask. Mom if, looks up. If you behave yourself, when we get home, we'll discuss your toy. I see what you did there. She didn't say I was getting him back when we got home. She said we'd discuss him when we got home. You said I could have him when this is over, not discuss him. We'll talk about it when we get home. I'm not going to throw a tantrum. I want to. I want to start shouting about how she's changing her promise. But I know if I start yelling, she'll use that as a reason to not return Pascal to me. This is a test. She's trying to make me upset to justify not giving him back. I'm not going to do it. So I just stare at her and think of the tantrum. Mom stares back. I imagine she's getting the images I'm sending her with my brain, and it makes me smile. She smiles back. The lady nurse in her green uniform returns and asks my mom questions about my health, including whether I'm pregnant. Then she tells me it's time to go. So I give my mom a hug because I know she's scared, and follow the nurse down the hall and after hall until we get to a huge room where a giant machine is. That must be an MRI. It looks like something out of a science fiction movie with a table for me to lay on and get shot into another dimension through this <laughs> giant metal donut. Or maybe I'm... Maybe it's going to turn me into a donut. I mean, I, I would be the worst tasting donut. Probably, like, jelly-filled, too. I hate jelly-filled donuts. If you're afraid of tight spaces, hon... The nurse says. It's going to feel a little cramped. But you have to lay still... You're going to get an injection of contrast. Wait, what? Injection? When did needles get involved? Nobody said anything about needles. Can I just drink it? I ask. Oh no, dear. Well, there goes one quarter for the swear jar. Fuck. She doesn't even remove the needle. She leaves it in my arm. I hate this nurse now. I think angry thoughts and stare at her while I lay on the bed and she wheels over some weird machine with swirly tubes coming off of it and she attaches the other end to the needle sticking out of my arm. Oh god, I can't even look at it. I'm gonna gag. And I go into the metal donut. I hold my breath and think about Pascal and Meredith and I, I wonder what she's doing at school without me today. I hope she doesn't burn anybody. It must be hard not being able to get angry for fear of burning stuff. I'd, I'd be burning stuff all the time. <laughs> My arms feel really warm. I wonder why the lady in black was hanging out at the mall. There's way too much stuff going on all at once. I feel like my head is going to explode. Maybe I really do have a tumor. The MRI machine is super noisy. It sounds like someone banking metal grocery carts around. Dad calls those bass carts because they're like a basket and a cart. My mom hates it when he uses that word. I call them bass carts when I go to annoy her. Oh my god, how long am I going to be in here? I thought the waiting room was a long time, but at least I have the monkey science magazine to read. I wish there was something to read or watch, but there's nothing. Finally, I come out and it's all over. I'm about ready to claw this thing out of my arm, but the nurse pulls it out for me and puts a bandage over the spot, and I can see the hole they poked in me. She has me sit in a wheelchair and takes me out into a hall. 
I can walk. Just relax. She says and then stops, parks my chair off to the side and walks off with what I think is one of the dead end office rooms. Why did she leave me sitting here instead of taking me back to the room where my clothes are? She didn't even tell me if she was coming back. Am I supposed to do something? I don't even know where I am right now. I feel kind of lightheaded too. Oh no. They found tumors, didn't they? And what are you doing here? Comes a man's voice from behind me. I turn my head to see who it is, and it's the weasel-faced man from the waiting room. He's looking at me and smiling. I don't know him, so I don't say anything. I blink so he doesn't think I'm staring, and then look back at where the lady nurse just disappeared. I can hear him walking over to me because his shoes make a clop-clop sound with each step. He stops right beside me. Lily Madwip. He says, don't look back. He probably heard you give your name in the waiting room. I'm sorry. Lillian Alexandra Madwip. What? Oh no, he knows my full name. No, that doesn't really give him power over me. That's just a thing I thought about. But how does he know my middle name? Maybe it was written down on one of the forms my parents filled out. I can feel him looking down at me. He's really tall and thin, but all I really notice is that he's got boots with pointy toes on because I'm not going to look up at him. I'm just going to stare at the floor and maybe he'll think that I'm asleep or something. Oh, right. I just looked at him a moment ago. Maybe I had that disease where you just fall asleep suddenly. I could start snoring. Oh, you're not supposed to talk to strangers. My name's Felix. Do you want to know my last name? Maybe I don't have one. Would that surprise you? I am a statue. I am a statue. I'm not really here. Oh, I know what would surprise you. If we talked about Pascal. I finally look at him. He grins down at me. Even his teeth look like weasel teeth. I can't help thinking it. His last name must be Weaselman. Felix... Weaselman, how does he know? How do I know about Pascal? He glances down the hall. I think he's trying to make sure nobody's coming. He scares me. He's reading my mind. What am I thinking now? Potatoes, just because. Potatoes, read that, Felix Weaselman. No, I'm not a mind reader. I just know people well, and I know all their secrets. Do you know where Pascal is? I whisper, and I'm afraid of speaking in full volume. I don't know why. I almost don't want him to hear me. I just want the nurse to come back and wheel me back to my room. Mom knows where Pascal is. Felix kneels down next to me and puts a hand on the arm of my wheelchair. Even his fingers look like weasels. Not like weasels, but weasel fingers. Not the weasels have fingers. I guess they do, sort of, but not like human fingers. If a weasel turned human, I think it would name itself... Felix Weaselman and start terrorizing little kids at a hospital. Oh no, that must be what this is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lily. I don't know where Pascal is, but I know about him. And you. You see things before they happen, don't you? Who are you? I ask. He's not a doctor, that's for sure. He's wearing a long coat with fur on its edge. 
I bet it's weasel fur. Oh my god, everything about this man is weasels. I told you, I'm Felix. I'm like you, Lily. He grins his weasel teeth at me. I half expect him to have a long, thin mustache and twirl it with his fingers like in a cartoon. I have a gift, just like you, and a totem that connects me to the divine. I don't know what that means. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a silver locket on a chain. I bet that thing would have ripped right through his coat if it went through an MRI. There's a hook on the side of the piece and he unlatches it and it opens. Inside is a photo of a boy. He's got short brown hair like someone held a bowl over his head and just cut around the edge. He's smiling and his teeth kind of look weasel-ish even for a kid. This is my, my son, Joseph. You can call him Joey. Hi, Joey. I say to the boy in the locket. Felix snaps it shut. He can't hear you, unfortunately. He's passed away some months back. He sounds sad as he says this, kind of like my dad when he talks about Roger. But you know who can hear you, Lily? Raziel. Raziel. Raziel? Raziel. Raziel. He's my connection to the divine. Raziel? Raziel? Raziel. Raziel, cool. Raziel. What does that mean? He's my angel, like Pascal is for you. Why don't you say hello to Raziel? I say hello to Raziel in my head and there's no response. I look at Felix and he's watching me closely like he's expecting me to say something. What kind of angel is Raziel? I ask him. He holds the locket up to my face. Why don't you ask him yourself, Lily? Raziel? Are you an angel? I ask the locket. But there's no response. And Felix stares at me. So what did he say? What's Raziel the angel of, Lily? I don't know. I whisper, I feel frightened. I don't know what's going on or if anything Felix is telling me is true. He's not talking to me. Maybe this is some secret test my mom organized to see if I really believe in angels. Felix stands up and puts the locket back into his coat. He doesn't talk to me either. Not that he could, but I know he's there. That's my gift. I know things. Not things like Pascal knows. I can't see the future like you. But I know everything else. I know the things people don't want me to know. I know secrets. I don't have any secrets. I don't think I do, anyway. I'm an open book. Honestly, I tell people all my secrets, and most of the time, they don't even believe me. Felix steps back, and I realize just how close he had gotten to me this whole time. It feels like I'm suddenly in an open field with flowers. Like yellow flowers. I want to jump up from my wheelchair and run through the flowers. Freedom, that's what that feels like. He was so close, I didn't even realize it. It was starting to feel like I was being crushed in a can crusher. Lily the Tin Can. No, Lily. You don't like keeping secrets, do you? He says. I'm going to be honest with you, too. I'm not from around here. I used to travel all over. Do you like carnivals? Have you ever been on a tilt-a-whirl? Gone to the top of a Ferris wheel and looked down? I'm a mentalist. That's a stage performer. Kind of like a magician. Do you like magic? Sometimes. Who doesn't like magic? Boring people and scientists. I use my gifts of knowledge of knowing people's secrets and tell them things they had forgotten about themselves, where they left their keys and that sort of thing, or maybe they'd done something they don't want others to know about. Uh, those were fun to reveal. Any secret, I would know it. 
like where your brother Roger hid something valuable from you. Oh my god, he knows where Roger hid my foil Charizard. Where? Oh, I don't actually know that, dear. I know that your brother hid something from you, but in order to know where, I'd need to meet Roger, and unfortunately, he's not here, is he? Hmm. Rats. Where the hell's my nurse go? Anyway. Felix continues. Joey, my son. He was an assistant in, in the show. He was the most wonderful boy. You'd have loved him, really. He would have believed you about Pascal. Like your friend, Jamal. He believed me about Raziel. The heat in my head and arm are going away. I feel a lot more clear thinking. What happened to him? You know what happened to him. Suddenly, Felix isn't smiling anymore. I don't know what he's talking about. Did he tell me and I missed it? Did I read it somewhere? No. Someone told me something. He keeps staring at me. Uh, oh, is he, is he doing that thing I did to my mother? He's trying to send his thoughts into my... Meredith. Meredith happened. Meredith. I say. Felix nods. He looks like he just took a bite of a really nasty sandwich. I think he's trying to suck his weasel teeth into his face or something. Down the hall, I see the nurse finally come around the corner with my mom. I wonder how she teleported from that dead-end room to wherever she just came from. They don't seem to notice this tall, thin, weasel-faced man hovering over me. Mom, hurry. I came here for information on her. Felix whispers. His voice doesn't sound so cheerful anymore. It's almost like he wants to snarl. His teeth are clenched together, and he's saying everything through them. But instead I found you. You don't have to be afraid, my dear. I'm going to find Meredith. I found her once. I'll find her again. Somebody needs to protect the rest of us from her. He pauses and looks over his shoulder. Do you see somebody? then turns and smiles at me, but it doesn't seem like a happy smile. There's nobody there. The hallway is empty. I was seeing things before they happened. Again. He puts a hand on my shoulder. It's going to be okay. I'll see you soon. And then he walks off in the other direction down the hall and back into the maze where he came from. I'm shaking, and I can't stop. Something about Felix Weaselman terrifies me. It wasn't his weasel face, either. It was like I was finally meeting somebody who is crazy. Other kids call me Mad Lily sometimes, especially buttholes like Jeffrey Baker. But they haven't even met anyone like Felix. He was so calm and seemed so normal, except for the whole part about knowing my secrets. I wonder if that's even true. I wonder if there's really an angel in his locket, and if so, why didn't it speak to me? Mom and the nurse finally show up and for a real few minutes later take me back to my clothes so I can change. I do it as fast as I can so we can get out of there. Mom had put my quarters in her purse so she gives them to me. I tell her she's going to need to keep a couple. In the car, she asks me how I'm feeling, if my vision is fuzzy or anything. I tell her I'm fine. I don't tell her about Felix. I don't tell her about Raziel. And I definitely don't tell her about Meredith. I don't know what I can tell her anymore. 
I need to think about things on my own. What I really need is to talk to Pascal, and I know if I start bringing this stuff with her, I might not get him back. I just hope that weasel-faced guy Felix doesn't go to my school today. At home, Dad is in his workroom. He was probably writing a dirge. He does that. Mom tells me to sit at the dining room table and wait. I wonder what we're having for dinner. Probably something that's going to make me want to vomit. I wonder if I could convince them to order pizza if I tell them that the medicine they injected me with made me feel funny. Mom comes back with Dad and Pascal. Pascal, where were you? Pascal tells me that he's sorry for the things he knows I've had to deal with alone. He says that sometimes we face things alone because we have to in order to become stronger. He says that, you know, I feel like I'm getting a lecture from my parents. Oh, I am. And they're talking too. But I'm not even listening to that. Because I'm too busy being giddy to see Pascal again. Do you understand? Dad asks me. And I don't. Yes. I tell him. Dad hands me Pascal and I hug him to my chest. We have, we have a, a lot, lot to talk about. about. I like it. Mm -hmm. Obvious progression. Mm -hmm. Obvious progression. I think we have one more part. One more part to read, and and I'll let you, I'll let you take this one. My name is Lily Madwhip, and I think a magician is going to murder my best friend. Is this this is part seven, or are we on this eight? This is eight. Okay, so we're on eight. We've now met four people. Four people. What? Four four unique people. Yeah, four four different. I don't powers. think I don't think Dad has powers. I just think he's weird. Um. Other than Rizuo. Lily, Meredith, the... He said he speaks to an angel, Rizuo. Dugar. Never mind. And... D Duma. And, yeah, yeah, Duma and Felix. We have four angels. Yeah, four angels. Four angels. My name is Lily Madwhip, and I think a magician is going to murder my best friend. I thought I was your best friend. That's Jamal. Okay, yeah, I guess he's top of my friends list. It's not exactly a big list either. I mean, there's Jamal, and then there's Meredith... And she scares me. One and two. And Pascal. Three. Jamal. Pascal. Then Meredith? No, because she scares me. No, wait. Pascal first. You are my best friend, Jamal. I meant my other best friend. Pascal knows the truth. Jamal smiles. We're headed to school like it's just another day. But it's not just another day. Because there's a man named Felix who looks suspiciously like he's part weasel. And he told me at the hospital yesterday that he's gonna protect me from Meredith. I'm pretty sure he doesn't mean that he's going to buy her oven mitts. Um, actually, I, I, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I should get her oven mitts. I saw oven mitts that look like sheep. Greg pops up out of nowhere. Maybe he's going to saw her in half. Ooh, says Jamal. He'll need a box for that. I've never seen someone get sewn in half. I mean, there was my cousin Susie who got run over by a motorboat, but she <laughs> but she stayed together for the most part. Then there was the half a scroll in my backyard, but I didn't actually see it. And besides, who performs magic on squirrels? I shake my head. He's not that kind of magician. Well, what kind is he? He finds people's keys and stuff. That, sound, that sounds like a stupid magician. Greg frowns and ducks back down into his seat. You're missing the point. Oh my god. Why did I even bother telling these two? 
Meredith is going to get murdered by that stupid magician. But didn't she kill his son? Jamal asks. That's called an eye for an eye. I don't know all the details. I look up from the front of the bus, where Ed, the bus driver, is telling some other kids to stop jumping in their seats. Why does it always take longer to get to school when I'm in a hurry? Pascal encourages me to remain calm. One of the things he told me last night was that brash action can lead to tragedy. I looked up some of the words and apparently it means that if I'm too confident, then a really sad play is going to be performed. Uh, I don't think that's entirely what he meant, but I got the point. What if Meredith stood out in the middle of the playground so she could see the magician coming from any direction and then if he showed up, she could just set him on fire? Jamal suggests. That does sound like a good plan, uh, but I'm sure there are things about it that I'm not considering. Uh, that's how it always works in Scooby-Doo. They come up with a plan and then it backfires because of something they didn't think of. Or because somebody got hungry. I'm hungry. I need a. I had a waffle for breakfast, but it wasn't fully cooked because the toaster was on too low of a setting. But I didn't want to complain and have my dad roll his eyes at me, so I just ate it. But it was icy in the middle. Greg pops up again. What if he just shoots her? That's a good point. He could be a marksman with a rifle for all I know. Hell, he got a, the nuclear launch codes and bomb us. I can't let all the possibilities clog my brain. I just have to warn Meredith and let her decide what to do. Honestly? Jamal remarks. You should tell an adult. Dear adults, my friend Meredith, who scares me, can burn things with her mind. I know this because I can speak to angels like the one in my doll. A crazy magician who finds people's keys wants to kill Meredith because sometime, somehow, she burned up his son with her powers. Uh, no, I don't know when or how exactly. Yes, I'll hold on. Oh, that's a lovely jacket. <laughs> yes, I'd like to try it on. Sleeves, tie in the back. How nice. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Jamal sees me staring off into space blankly. I mean... Can't she just show them that she can burn stuff? He asks. Greg chimes in. And then they could take her to a secret lab and cut her open and see how she works like they do with aliens. He looks at me. And you too. Yeah, no. I blank. There's the school ahead. I need to do this without them finding out about Meredith's ability. If she wanted people to know, she'd have shown an adult, I think. It's not my business to reveal it if she doesn't want people knowing. That's called... I don't want to be dissected, and though, and I've thought about it a lot. We pull up to the school and I shove past everybody to get to the front of the, off the bus, not making sure to say goodbye to Ed, of course. Not that anything's going to happen to him. He's going to have a cup of coffee and read a magazine down at the gas station while filling up. It's just polite to say goodbye to the bus driver. Bye, Bye Mr. Ed. Ed. <laughs> Meredith is not standing by the swings. I run over and make sure. I even check twice. She's not there. I scan the rest of the playground. Everyone else is in their usual spot for the most part, except Jamal and Greg who are walking over to me rather than the baseball diamond. They're looking around too, so I'm guessing they don't see Meredith either. Jamal drops his backpack and sits on the swing. Maybe he already got her. No, I should have come here yesterday, except the school is closed by then and she'd have been home, so that would have been pointless. Don't say that. Maybe the weasel got her home address? Greg suggests. Stop it. 
maybe that's her over there, surrounded by Lisa Welch and the other girls. Jamal points with his chin. Oh, yes. There she is. I couldn't see her in the sea of jerk girls. <laughs> Why on earth is she hanging out with them? They're all standing around her and... Oh, no. Oh, I wasn't here to keep them away from her. And Lisa Welch is back, and she probably saw Meredith alone, and I dropped my backpack by Jamal and run down the hill towards the group surrounding Meredith. I can see she's not looking happy. She's all tensed up, and her arms are hanging down on her side, and she's glancing at Lisa. I can't hear what anyone's saying, but Lisa's got Nathaniel, Meredith's angel, and a melted Barbie, and she's waving it at Meredith, saying something about saying something and Meredith's got a big scowl on her face. Oh no. I can already feel something bad is about to... Meredith! I call. At the same time, just as I get in range and everybody turns to look at me, Lisa Welch's red backpack with all the trinkets that jangle on it and let you know she's coming explodes into a fireball. Everyone shrieks except Lisa Welch, who's had just enough thought power in her small brain to declare... Oh my goodness! And then throw the flaming backpack off her shoulder and do some sort of crazy half-dance jump away where she like, looks like she stepped into a pile of scorpions. Maybe I should tell her she's going to do that someday. I come to stop as everyone else steps back except Meredith and quickly grab her by the hand and try and calm her down. She turns and glares at me, and I swear I can even see the fire behind her eyes. But maybe it's just the fire that was on Lisa... Lisa Welch's red backpack reflecting off them. It's okay. Don't kill everybody. Please. I whisper, feeling bad for even having the thought. I don't want her to think she's a killer. But she kind of is. I mean, she's burned up, what, three people already? I try to make my expression look like I'm half joking, so maybe she won't think I'm genuinely scared that she'll set me on fire. I can't tell if it works. I am genuinely scared that she will set me on fire. Miss Longbow appears out of nowhere. Mr. Principal Mr. Principal, Mr. Longbow appears out of nowhere with one of those red fire extinguishers like you see in the movies. I've always wanted to see someone use one in real life, so I watch, wondering if it's safe to breathe or if I need to cover my mouth. He sprays the roasted red backpack with flame, with foam, while the rest of the playground pours towards us, everyone chattering about what happened. What just happened? Mr. Longbow says in his real angry voice, which is just a tad bit quieter than his pissed off voice, but much louder than his regular voice. Lily Madwhip tried to set Lisa on fire. The rumor begins immediately being passed among the other kids. Mr. Longbow sets his gaze on me. What? No, I didn't. Her backpack just caught fire. Somebody snorts. I think it's Greg. Mr. Longbow sets the fire extinguisher down and puts his hand on his hips, the way adults express that they're waiting for you to say something, and they're not going to say anything until you do, but they will get increasingly agitated if you don't. I throw my hands up. I don't even have anything on me. I just got here. Meredith finally speaks up. It wasn't her, sir. It was me. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're doing this now. Uh, this is good, actually, because for all I know, Felix is sitting in the bushes nearby with a sniper rifle aimed at Meredith's head. Yes, let's get her off the playground, please. 
Mr. Longbow. That's a nice tie, by the way. Did you buy it yourself? It really is a nice tie, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm not even an expert on ties. Mr. Longbow picks up the fire extinguisher. Both of you, come with me. Lisa looks slightly paralyzed by fear. I think she's finally starting to comprehend that there was a fireball strapped to her back just a minute ago, and the only reason why she's not a charred corpse right now, we're all standing over playing Who Done It with, is because some primal instinct to remove the, f the fireball before it engulfed her, and that the person who burned, who nearly burned her alive, was the girl she just pissed off by doing something mean with her Barbie doll. It's like stealing someone's Barbie and finding out that that's Charles Manson, the serial killer's Barbie. You too, Miss Madwhip. I snap back to attention. Wait, why me? I had nothing to do with this. Mr. Longbow cocks his head at me and gives me a strange expression. Didn't you? I think for a moment. No. Well, you're coming anyway. <laughs> he holds up one finger to make it clear that nobody else is to say another word. Then he points to the, towards the school to make it clear we need to start marching in that direction. Mr. Longbow, you're going to get us both killed, and Lisa too, probably. I mean, that might not be so bad. <laughs> Things would be nicer if she was dead. But I'm sure kind of attached to myself not being a crest. Can we maybe meet separately? Apparently the answer is no. Lisa Welch, Meredith, and I are marched straight into the school, down the hall into the principal's office. Lisa looks pale as paste. Her mouth looks a little crooked, probably from falling on her face last week. She keeps her lips shut tight, so I can't see what's happened exactly to her daddy's precious teeth. I've heard there's a big chip, and she's going to have to get work done. Meredith is looks just like Meredith, which is, to say, ghoulish. Not because of the burned half of her face, but because she looks like she never sleeps anymore. Maybe she doesn't. I imagine if I were Meredith and I went to bed and burned my house down with my parents inside, I, while I sleep, I'd have trouble getting back to Snoozeville, too. She's got an expression I can't figure out right now. Kind of a mix of determination and annoyance. Mr. Longbow looks normal, by which I mean angry and bald. He sits at his desk with his eagle paintings surrounding us. I remember how many eagle paintings he has exactly. I hope he isn't too attached to them because if Meredith flares up, I think they're going to be one of the first things to go. And then us. Hopefully Lisa first. Just because if I'm going to die, I want to see her go before it happens. I know, that's a little mean, but Pascal isn't here to lecture me about it. We all sit down and he sits at his desk in his big swivel chair and stares at us. Somewhere else the bell rings, meaning school is in session. Kids are going to be coming inside soon. The number of possible casualties just went up. This is not how we start the morning, girls. Mr. Longbow says grimly. Who wants to begin? I don't think he really knows any other ways to ask things actually happened. I wonder what it's like to watch a comedy movie with him. Maybe he's never seen one. We should watch one. Except then, if he started laughing, he might panic because he wouldn't know what was going on. Lisa begins. We were just trying to get Meredith to play with us, and then Lily came over and did something, and my backpack exploded. Mr. Longbowstows angrily stares at me. Didn't we already go over this outside? I ask. Also, I think I smell gas, Mr. Longbow. Can we maybe do this in separate rooms? Quiet! 
Meredith speaks up again. She sounds a bit hoarse, like she was yelling all morning or something. Maybe she was yelling internally. Would that affect your voice? No, that can't be right. I'd be hoarse all the time. I told you I caused the fire. It was me. Lisa took my something of mine and wouldn't give it back. She and her friends ganged up on me and I got angry and I... The backpack caught fire because I was angry. We all sit there for a moment. I imagine Lisa and Mr. Longbow are trying to work out all that out in their heads. I understood what she was saying, but if you don't know what's up with Meredith and her ability to set things on fire, especially when I'm nearby, it might not make all that much sense. Mr. Longbow leans back and rubs his bald head. I wonder what that feels like. I don't want to shave my own head because I like my hair, but I bet it'd be fun to run a hand over it if I did. The backpack caught fire because you were angry. Mr. L repeats. Yes. Meredith hangs her head. I feel bad for her. Poor Meredith. I'm totally getting her oven mitts. I'm going to do it. I just don't know how much they cost. They can't be too expensive, and I've been saving up for a while. If I get her ones that look like sheep... Can I just point out that I almost died? Lisa remarks. Mr. L leans across his desk and wraps all his fingers in each other. He looks directly at me and thinks I'm going to accuse him of causing all this again. Lily, I think you can be excused. Oh, finally. Thanks for playing with all our lives there, Mr. L. I sit for a moment, thinking this. Mr. L nods at me and makes a little wave gesture with his hand. That's the universal sign for move your butt along. Go to your classroom. I look at Lisa and Meredith. Lisa has murder face. Meredith looks sad. I wanted to tell her it's going to be okay. Because for one thing, with me out of the room, maybe we won't go all, all go up in a big volcano. And for another, maybe she'll be safer at home. Oh wait, I have to warn her about Felix. Go, Lily. Mr. Longbow says in the tone of voice that means he's about to get really annoyed that I'm standing there instead of doing what I'm told. I nodded him, then turned to Meredith. Watch out for weasels. I tell her. She looks at me like I just choked on my own tongue instead. I go into the hall. It feels so good to be out of that room. Oh my god, that man has so many eagle paintings. I wonder if he's married to one. Maybe those are family portraits. I really hope Meredith understands my coded warning. Dang it, it probably made no sense. I want to turn around and go back, but the walls start to vibrate with the sound of Mr. L yelling inside, and I can vaguely hear the rumble of his angry voice. So instead, I head straight to class. Everybody in class wants to know what happened. Lisa's crew of jerk girls look concerned like they saw her turn it off on a stretcher or something. Even Louis Brody, who sits in front of me, seems worried. What happened? He asks. Meredith and Lisa are getting suspended. I know it. I see the office clerk come in and hand Miss C.D. the note explaining it, and she's going to let the rest of us know. Of course, that happens in about 30 minutes from now, so I can't tell Louis that. Oh no, I left my backpack with Pascal in it outside by the swings. I'm going to have to wait until lunch to get them back. I hope nobody steals them. I just need to remind myself that Pascal always comes back to me. Pascal is out there doing his thing. He'll be back there when I go back out. Sure enough, half an hour later, the office clerk shows up, and we're all told that Lisa and Meredith won't be back for three school days each. 
and there's going to be a, an assembly in the cafeteria planned on fire safety next week. Oh yes, that'll help us when Lisa finally sets Meredith off completely. Single file, children. Hope that the angry fire girl allows you safe passage. I just hope Felix doesn't show up for that. Or maybe that would be the perfect time for him to show up. I stare out the window at the parking lot and wonder if Meredith's foster family picked her up. It'd be good to know what they look like, or what their car looks like. I'll bet when Lisa returns, she'll have a new red backpack as if nothing ever happened. Stupid Lisa. She's going to be her own flaming death. I'm not going to say that, though, especially around Meredith. Speaking of assemblies... Speaking of assemblies... Miss CD finishes writing something on the board. I can't even read because it's in cursive. I know this is rather impromptu, but we're going to be having one today about general safety. We groan. I hate assemblies. You have to sit in assigned rows, and I'm always in front of some boy from third grade. I don't even know his name, so I just call him Little Twerp. I don't really know what a twerp is. It sounds like those, like noise a rubber band makes. We file down the hall an hour later to fill the cafeteria in our stupid assigned seats. I wonder where they hide all these fold-out chairs the rest of the time. There must be a room just full of folded chairs that they use. I'm still worried sick about Meredith and Pascal. He knows I'll be back out after lunch, but it must be lonely sitting in my backpack with nothing to do or nobody to talk to. Maybe he can use his articulated limbs and go running off on an adventure. I hope it doesn't rain. All right, Meredith is being hunted by a psycho. I should probably focus on that. In fact, I'm so focused on worrying about Meredith getting shot with a sniper rifle by a man with a weasel face that I'm not even listening to what the actual assembly is about. Mr. Longbow is standing up front, and he's got some guest speaker I can't quite see. Maybe if I were sitting in the front row, I'd be able to hear what they're saying, but I'm in the third to last row, in front of this little twerp who's kicking my chair. Everybody gets quiet, but Mr. L can't quite be heard still. His microphone must not be working, because it sounds like he's just speaking as if the only people that need to hear him are up front. I barely catch him say, Please say hello to Officer Flores. He gestures to the person behind him. Everybody claps. I think my head feels like it's ringing. Or swollen. Why do I feel dizzy? I look down at my feet. I can't really see them. Lily, are you okay? It's Miss CD standing down the row looking at me. Her voice seems to cut through the moment. Someone must have nudged her or told her I look sick. I don't feel sick. I just feel weird, lightheaded and confused as to why I can't see my feet. It's like the floor is fading away. The guest speaker steps forward to the podium where Mr. Longbow was a moment ago, and the mic that wasn't working. It hums, but now it works. It works for her. She's clear with her throat and says hello. Lily. Miss CD sounds like she's talking through a door. I can't see my feet. My voice is caught in my throat. Her next question is muffled. I don't even know what that is. The ringing in my ears becomes a shrill screech. It won't stop, and it feels like my head is about to burst. But then it stops. It all stops. Every sound stops. Lily! Miss CD puts her hand on my shoulder. Other kids are turning to look at me. Do you see it? I whisper. See what? I can't hear myself, but I know in my head I'm speaking. The fog. I look up at the podium where the lady in black stares back at me in her police uniform.
Someone in the audience starts coughing. She's a policewoman. Yeah. Protect and serve. Lots of death and Silence and there. death, yeah. Yeah, judgment, silence, death. Interessante. Weaselman is uh, using his powers for capitalism and uh, has a pretty gay little angel. That yes, wants, doesn't speak that, to anybody. That wants revenge. He's, pro- he's probably just a poser. He might be. He's just a poser. He's mad. You mad, bro? Uh, Officer Officer Flores, that's interesting. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the principal didn't believe either of the little girls, so... Yeah, you know, Meredith, he just sent both of them home. Meredith is fine, mm-hmm. you know, for now. It's, yeah, basically he went, well, how did you start the fire? And she goes, I just started it. And then he went, do you have a lighter? And she went, no. Yeah. Do you have matches? No. Then how did you start it? Yeah, I just like, did. I don't believe you. You're a liar. You're lying about yeah, something. You bo- ditched. Both of you, you are ditched, lying. You ditched your, your evidence somewhere. Yep. It doesn't even matter anymore. We have people who put you there at the scene, whatever. We get out of my sight. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's how authority works. But I think at the very same time, um, someone might have heard that. And it might have it might have been Lisa. Yeah. You know, Lisa might have understood that. Whatever's going on there, we won't know there's if there's any development there until later. But uh, you know, all it takes is one one believable kid, you mm-hmm. know, whining about something for people to notice. So she very could crack this shit wide open. Or a bunch of kids are about to die in this auditorium. That's what I, that's I was going to say I, about that. I have a feeling the next chapter is going to be, um, what's the word? Very conflicting or conflictual. It's going to have lots Conflicted. of, yeah, yeah. There's going to be some conflict involved. Um, yeah, it's some rising action. I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like we're working towards something. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know where it's actually going to go. Well, and we're only halfway through. And we're too. only halfway through. This was like up to the 50% mark. Yeah. So part two of four, still like it, still mm-hmm. on board. Oh, yeah. Um, Still very much was demons or, or did we back off I'm, the was demons this I'm time? I'm still sticking was demons because angels and demons are essentially the same thing, right? In my, in, in, in your in lore. Yeah. Like I consider that same thing. That's fair. So... That's fair. If there is light, there must be dark. Exactly. You know that's that's how the world works. We we are we we rule in absolutes, folks. If there's Russia, then there's America. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. Did you like my President Nixon for principal? I did. Long, Longbow. Yes. I've been doing it for. I was say the first part. I haven't had an opportunity to, to uh, speak as Longbow. Yeah, you I did. Thought, did I? Yeah, you okay. have. You have. In episode one, you did. But you were you were just doing your your deep old man voice. That's fair. I like to. I think I like to sneak in little impressions on shitty characters I don't care about. I think that most of my characters have a different voice every, like, you have fifteen cadences. minutes. Yeah. You have cadences. Yeah. No, no. For the most part, you're on point. 
Your your Lily, I think, fluctuates between being a stupid little kid and an intelligent little kid. Mm-hmm. But well, I think I do that too. Yeah, I was gonna say that's how she acts. Time she's with it, and half the time she's other times she has ADHD. Yeah, like you were saying that in part one. Yeah, we're not really interjecting in the story as much as we usually do, mm-hmm. and I think it's just because the story is yeah, it's a good, good story. We want to. It's it's witty. It's snappy. It has a very fluid mm-hmm. pace. If we're able to read 40 pages in an hour... Yeah. Cool. Uh, I was going to say, especially, like, there's times when I'll just, like, go into your stuff because I just want to keep going. Oh, yeah. You know, no, like, I mean, that, that happens. I end up cutting it. But, like, yeah, yeah. That, it, it happens mm-hmm. because you, you forget that you're not the only one just sitting here reading the story. Yeah. You know, you get you get so into it that you're, a, just, you're just continuing through. That's a little fourth wall break for the audience. Yeah. Predestined rule had already come out and we were already just splitting parts with one another. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I hope it keeps keeps the pace because I, like, mm-hmm. I like the pace. I like the length. I I have held off on like looking ahead or reading the titles of the other ones so it's just as it's yeah, just, it's as, just fresh as fresh for me it's just as mysterious for me I don't know anything about what's going on and this one has some potential this one has some potential to really introduce a fun twist or they can was demons Mm-hmm. And even if they was demons, at the end of the day, I'll say I enjoyed the ride. Yeah, absolutely. It's about the friends you make along the way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not about Amsterdam. As long as the ending makes sense and isn't random bullshit. Like, if they was aliens me at this point, and I go, but it was it was demons, and now it was aliens, I'm going to be like, come on, man. Just, just stick to a theme. Oh, man. What would it take for was aliens? For was aliens, it would have to be like uh, she the, was... the parents are all fucking like reptilians or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Or she was kidnapped the entire time and this was just like a, uh, a uh, what simulation parents, that they were testing What if her parents her. adopted her and she just doesn't know it? That would be cool. And then it and then the, and was, then it was, and aliens. Then the was aliens reveal is just like I finally found you. Yeah, I've been imitating a human for so long and I finally located you. Mm-hmm. All these humans have these little quirks and stuff. I don't know. That'd still be late, but I, I, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And that's interesting. Cause they could, they could say that they could explain this away with like magic. They could explain mm-hmm. this away with like death energy. They can explain this away with bullshit schizo. It's all in your head. Yeah. You know, they could, they can explain this away with angels and demons. They could explain this away with aliens they could explain this away with dream. This is all a dream. Things are happening in your dreams. Mm-hmm. They've got to hate that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Was dream. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. I'm happy we're reading it. Um, and, uh, we, we will, we will be back for part three, uh, in just a short, in just a short little while. But, uh, I don't know if I have any predictions. I don't know if there's anything else that I, I necessarily have to say. But I'm, uh, I'm I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Lily Lily Madwhip has won me over. As a as a fun little character. Mm-hmm. And a character that we see kind of go up and down, a roller coaster, if you would. I I love how a dinky little internet story can write a little girl better than most 
Hollywood yeah. produced TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. What a what a goddamn shame. <laughs> that machine needs to die and be reborn by new people. Yeah. Just like most things in life. I I, I don't know. I, the story is good. We've read a lot of good stories on this show. I would say this show definitely has like a 50-50 good to less than. And less than ranges, I think, a larger portion, you know, on that scale. Mm-hmm. But in its entirety, the show is pretty much, for every good series, there's an eh series. For every good short story, there's an eh short story. Mm-hmm. And then there's just trolls. Yeah. Who say fuck it, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, with all lightness, there is equal darkness. Absolutely. <laughs> that is the lost apostle way. One cannot exist without the other. Oh, without Captain Death, there is no where am I? Where am I? <laughs> when that one guy was yelling it, I expected you yeah. to yell it, you didn't. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That moment had your name all over it. It did. I missed it. It zoomed right past me. Oh, we were enthralled. Mm-hmm. Any final words, where am I? Wear a condom. Wow, okay. What? That's all I got. Uh, it, Which is it, like the alien, most hypo- hypocritical thing for me to say. Alien parents need to wear condoms. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a... Uh, that sounds like uh, what's what's the what's the author who did the do do androids dream of electric sheep? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know his name. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna be like, here's here's his next book coming out next year. <laughs> do reptilian parents need to wear condoms? <laughs> Find out on lots of pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta till we stand at the shore. At the shore.